Hello, and welcome back to Jackie Just Chatters. I am your hostess, Jackie Lentz. How are you doing? Are you hanging in there? Are you feeling a little discouraged? Perhaps struggling with a case of the blues? Maybe even trudging through the trenches of misery? I feel you. I've not been at my best. I've had a couple days when I just wanted to Zillow scroll or zone out. I mean, we've hit the two-year anniversary of coping with life during a pandemic. We're all kind of tired. Sure, it's all very historical, but it's draining. Things seem to be getting better, but can we trust that? And then Ukraine, which I have all kinds of feelings about. Most of them summed up by the word devastated. There aren't enough after-school detentions for Mr. Putin. Some of you know I have a degree in international relations from the James Madison School at Michigan State University. Now, it's been over 20 years since I've graduated, so I'm a little rusty in this area, but I've been having a lot of flashbacks to my time there. Speaking of flashbacks, you know what? We're going to have ourselves a sort of flashback. We are transporting ourselves for just a moment to September 26, 1924. I found this gem of an article from the Long Island Traveler. That's Long Island, New York. I'm not going to give you a lot of preamble. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to read it. In Age Without Laughter, a somber and scientific period when the jokes and comicalities of the present day will be preserved as curiosities in the dusty tomes of museums, was predicted as a possibility by Dr. Charles Gray Shaw, professor of philosophy, in a talk before the Summer School of New York University. The disappearance of laughter from the world will be caused by the spread of learning, Dr. Shaw said. He argued that in a distant day, men will know too much to laugh, just as primitive men knew too little to smile. Men no longer laugh at things they used to laugh at, Dr. Shaw pointed out. Among the things which laughter now passed by, he said, are old maids, bobbed hair, matrimony, and the drunken man. That's a really interesting news story. And I have a whole lot of questions for Dr. Shaw in general. But first, I'm going to just say this. Dr. Shaw, I think you are completely wrong. I doubt humans are ever going to be beyond laughter. We certainly haven't hit that point of evolution yet, thankfully. In fact, given our collective tense state at the moment... I thought we could use an episode filled with some whimsy, humor, and hope. That is what I am attempting to present you here. I'm going to kick it off with a little bit of philosophical pondering myself. My topic, though, is ship shoppers. As a result of my ankles needing surgery, I've discovered the ease and joy of having someone else do the grocery shopping for me. I don't like shopping for groceries. I never have. I have a friend who really enjoys it. She has a right to this feeling. 
It's wrong, but she's entitled to her wrong feelings. I respect that. But when I was unable to walk, or when walking with this limp hurts my back and hips, I thank the angels of mercy at Shipped, who will bring me my milk, bag salad, and cheese to me. Whenever my shopper hits the aisles, there are always items that the store is out of. And that is when my shopper reaches out and we confer on the best course of action. The last time I ordered shipped, the shopper sent a text that an item I wanted was unavailable. Then a few minutes later, a second text followed. I was able to find the last one hidden in the back. Hooray, I texted back. I was super excited. About 10-15 minutes later, this happened a second time in the same order. Item wasn't there. (gasps) Found the miraculous last one hidden way in the back. I began to wonder, did they really find the last hidden item twice in one shopping trip? Or maybe, just maybe, they were creating a dramatic scene. What if this was the ship shopper's way of making their job a little more interesting? I mean, how boring it must be to check off someone else's shopping list. What if they play a little game of pretending that something is gone? Then they are the superhero to save the day at the last second and find the required head of lettuce. It would certainly make for a more fun shopping trip for them. I have to think that someone else's shopping has got to be dull at best frustrating at worst. And as the person on the other end of the phone, how would I ever know the truth? That would be some pretty harmless hijinks in the grand scheme of things. Maybe they are really super amazing. Maybe they just like to create intrigue. As a little excitement to a boring walk down the aisles. I don't know. Nah, that's how my brain works. Judge away. I'm not afraid. I'll put a post on my Jackie Lentz author page. You put your vote. Super shopper or false alarm? In Wooster, a town in the northeast part of Ohio, Between Cleveland and Columbus is the College of Wooster, and they have a mathematics professor there named Pamela Pierce, who just published a piece in the Journal of Human Mathematics. I didn't know there was a Journal of Human Mathematics until recently. I am including a link to this particular piece. I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a math journal. And you're like, really? But hear me out. It's really worth taking a look at. The piece is titled The Hamster Diaries. During COVID, Professor Pierce found her college-age daughter moving back home, along with said daughter's pet hamster. What is the hamster's name? Ruth Bader Hamsburg. Holy moly, that is like the best hamster name out there. I love it. The piece is a collection of journal entries the professor kept about her time coping with changes due from COVID to her work, life, and new pet guest. 
there are some real delights to be found. Here's one from April 30th, 2020. Dear Diary, this morning I was really struggling with my research. I tried a number of techniques, but nothing was working. To escape the frustration, I came downstairs and I immediately smelled something rather unpleasant. It was time to clean Ruthie's cage, and it could not be avoided any longer. Oh well, my research wasn't getting anywhere. I thought, so I may as well complete this chore. As I placed Ruthie reluctantly in a clean pen while I cleaned her cage, I told her that things would be nicer once she had a new clean environment that didn't smell so bad. Once I finished... I watched as Ruthie redecorated her cage, moving piles of fluff to precise locations throughout the cage and up into the penthouse. She had a job to do, but I imagined that she was busy in a happy sort of way since she was getting a fresh start. That was what I needed. I made myself a quick lunch and then I proceeded to clean up my cluttered desk. I removed everything from it wiped it down, and replaced only those items that I needed for today's research. A few books, some blank paper, pencils, and my computer. Before the afternoon was over, I had a proof of one of the results in our paper. Thanks for the inspiration, Ruthie. Isn't that a great story? I love that. And also, that she's using pencil and paper to write stuff down. Old school. Nothing like it. And... You know, I like that inspiration because getting our exterior cleaned and in order so much helps our mind feel calmer. I am less prone to having a snarky fit when everything has a home and it is in it. I wish this happened more often than it does, though I've been working on making my life less messy. I've been going through drawers in my closet and weeding out old unwanted clothes. I know lots of people did this when the pandemic started. Hey, I may be late to the game, but better late than never. And it's feeling good now. Do you need to find like one spot and get that organized? Maybe it's the couch, your bed, your car, two feet on the counter. I don't know. Whatever. If you need it, I hope you can do it for yourself. If you need inspiration, maybe you can use Ruth. Here's another inspirational Ruth entry. June 10th, 2022. Okay, I was totally inspired by my hamster today. I woke up rather early and Ruthie was energetically running around her cage as if she had purpose. She would go to the wheel and run a bit, and then she would scamper up to the penthouse, quickly climb down, and run around the cage. It was so entertaining. Then, all of a sudden, Ruthie did this amazing move. I don't know if it was accidental, or if this was what she had been building up to all morning. She ran toward her little house, leaped onto the structure, and did a backflip off the house. This was all in one motion. I really wish that I had caught this on my camera because it would be going viral right now. She was so graceful. As I ate my breakfast, I kept thinking about Ruth's amazing move and I was inspired. If Ruthie could manage this flip, then I could certainly flip my classroom, right? How hard could it be? Pierce wraps up the piece by writing, Honestly, this pandemic has put a lot of things into perspective. If my research paper takes a few more months, that is okay. 
If my house is a mess, that's okay too. Ruth is running on her wheel now. We will keep going. Hoping for better times ahead. Go, Ruthie, go. Thank you, Professor Pierce. We really needed this. You and Ruth have both been comfort for the soul. Shout out to NPR for this next bit. Gabriel Fierro and his wife usually get Chinese food in their hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, about once a week. On a whim, Fierro decided to take the lucky numbers from his fortune cookie. You know, that little slip of paper that we get with that cookie and you see them all the time. Well, he decided to play them for real in the lotto. Well, he matched all five white balls to win $1 million. But it gets better, folks, because it was quadrupled to $4 million when the four times megapuxer hit as well. Those are some mind-blowing odds that it would work out for the couple that his lucky numbers would hit. I'd say the best of luck to them, but they clearly already have plenty of luck. And uh, if you try this trick and it works out for you, you know, don't say thank you. Please send a check. I can't help myself. I want to share a quick story I would tell my government students about former President Calvin Coolidge, also known as Silent Kale. And that nickname was Warranted. This comes from a fantastically informative and funny book by Cormac O'Brien called Secret Lives of the U.S. Presidents. And by the way, thanks, Mom, for giving me that. That was a wonderful gift. So Silent Kale was at an engagement, and a saucy socialite lady approached him and let him know that she had a bet going that she could get more than two words out of him that evening. Well, she must have thought herself quite the conversationalist to achieve this. However, she was going to leave disappointed. His response? You lose. He kept to the two-word minimum. (laughs) She lost that bet. Oh, that was a man with a seriously dark sense of humor. Do you have a pet? Then you know the comfort they can provide. I recommend you check out the link I've got in my description for the Bangor Daily News and take a look at Holiday, an adorable yellow Labrador puppy. He is hopefully going to become Maine's first dog stationed at a courthouse that is specifically trained to comfort people who are dealing with traumatic experiences. It will take two years to be fully trained. Among other skills, Holiday will learn to be still and silent in a courtroom, 
walked to the witness stand on command, and remained seated at that spot for long periods of time. The dog is not only there to assist witnesses, victims, and their families, but also help the DA's office staff cope with compassion fatigue, the burnout, and vicarious trauma stress they experience as they work with clients who have been through violence or other trauma is intense. And this puppy is so cute. Oh, when you see him, you are just going to do that all big time yourself. You're gonna, you can't control yourself. You can't. You got to go look it up. I began this episode with an article that demonstrated how one man's vision of the future eh, just didn't really connect with the reality of the world today. I'm going to close with another one that shows how the past really can repeat itself. Many thought of distance learning as cutting edge futuristic education. It even made headlines on April 1st, 1922. Yes, 1922, 100 years ago, in the Evening World newspaper from New York. While rain and wind raged round the DeWitt Clinton High at 59th Street and 10th Avenue yesterday afternoon, 6,000 boy students inside listened to music and instructive lectures delivered at the foot of Manhattan Island and transmitted by radio through the storm at the high school auditorium. As far as known, It is the first time the radio has ever been used educationally. Certainly, the Stereoopticon lecture, which was part of the program yesterday, was the first one ever delivered by radio. The slides were thrown on the screen from a machine in the auditorium, but the lecturer was at the broadcasting station and directed the changes of slides. Most of the boys had never heard the radio before. I think they got a Victrola or something, said a young cynic. Maybe they got a band under the stage playing through the horn, scoffed another. One youngster looking up at the wire leading to the aerial wires at the roof and then out the window at the heavy downpour remarked, Gosh, I don't see how this noise gets through all that rain. The radio apparatus loaned by Western Electric was then turned on with its powerful amplifier to increase the sound. Mr. G.B. Thompson, Director of Training in the Engineering Department of Western Electric Company, speaking from the broadcasting station, sent greetings to the students. Then came music from a gramophone followed by the Stereopticon lecture by Mr. Thompson. In the lecture, which explained the principles of sound waves and electrical waves combining in the wireless telephone, it was pointed out that thousands of people in cities all over the East were listening to his words, just as the students were. At the finish of the program, the students marched from the hall to the time of military music from the radio set. The program was arranged by Harry Levine, mathematics instructor at the high school. The demonstration was given under the direction of N.H. Slaughter and A.J. Eaves of Western Electric. Dr. F.H.J. Paul, 
principal of the high school, stated that he intended to purchase for the school a radio receiving set which he could use in the future for lectures and entertainments by people who could not come to the high school from out of the city. If his plans materialized, he said, he would try even to get a talk from President Harding in Washington. Ah, radio, the internet of its day. It is amazing to me how similar this description of a group of students learning from a source far away reminds me of our online learning today. Everything old is new again. Thank you for joining me, listeners. I hope this has given you a, a little mental break from your worry and strife. Remember, you can follow on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Or you can find me, like, and subscribe on YouTube. My regular episodes come out every other Thursday. If you are enjoying these podcasts, I would be delighted if you shared with your friends, left a rating on Spotify, or a review on iTunes. I hope you will come back for my next episode. I wish you well.